Hello, I'm Olivia Shipsey, the current Editor-in-Chief of the Main Campus. My name's Chloe Hepburn, and I'm the Business Manager of the Main Campus. And I'm Mia Kaufman, the Main Campus's Marketing Director. You're listening to Anecdote, the Main Campus's official podcast. This week, we wanted to look at the way the transition to remote learning has affected the UMaine community. We've all been facing the unknown territory of Zoom classes and digital deadlines, and many students and professors are facing a variety of challenges, depending on their major or department. While many of my English courses were figuring out how to facilitate a more manufactured discussion, some courses involved direct instruction, such as student teaching placements, internships, or students working part-time in their field. We had the pleasure of having our first Zoom interview with Dr. Nathan Stormer, a tenured professor within the CMJ department. We invited him to discuss how he was informed of the initial switch to online classes and how he thinks this could affect the university in upcoming years. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us. We really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. All right, well, let's get started. So um, first of all, uh, would you mind telling us how long you've worked at the university and a little bit about your role on campus? Uh, sure. I've been here since 1997, so that's 23 years now. I've always been in the Department of Communication and Journalism. I'm a professor now, um, and I've chaired the department. I've been grad coordinator of the department. I ran the public speaking program once upon a time. So I've served in most of the roles in the, in the department, and I've done a lot of service around campus at the college and university level, too. So I'm pretty familiar with the place. Do you have a favorite role that you've done? I really like grad coordinating as a sort of a service role. I get to know the students really well, and I, I like that. Um, chairing is very rewarding. It's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of thankless work that just has to happen with it. So it's, it's a good job that you get to give back, but it's, it's not nearly as much fun as grad coordinating. Um, so switching gears a little bit to COVID and everything, uh, what kind of information were you and the other faculty given prior to the chancellor's decision to switch online? Uh, we were, I think there were sort of rumors going around. It hadn't been anything in my mind that was really official, um, but there was talk that we might have to switch to online, but that was just a few days before it happened. There wasn't any sort of long conversation about it. And we were still in the process of figuring out um, how we might actually just do basic healthcare stuff in the department. We weren't even thinking about going online at that point, but it was looking bad. And so we thought this might be coming, but it was maybe a week before that, that those conversations started, if my memory serves. It seems like an eternity ago, actually. I know, yeah. Like the first time I had even like heard of it was from our class, like our capstone. Like I hadn't really heard anything prior to that. Yep, I heard about it. What I heard sort of was like, it, the decision is probably coming soon. Within a day or 48 hours from when it was made, <clears throat> Excuse me. So I walked into both my classes that day, the one that you're in and the previous one, my 201 class, and told everyone, said, this is probably happening, so we need to get ready for it. And several people said they had no idea this is coming, so it really sort of took them, took them aback. Yeah, it all felt very sudden, and it kind of felt like everyone found out at the same time. Uh, when specifically and how did you hear about the transition to online classes? <laughs> uh, that's a funny story. So um, Paul Grossweiler, our chair, we had a faculty meeting on Wednesday, the day it was announced. At the time it was announced, it actually happened during our faculty meeting. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is giving out. And um, so uh, 
Paul, our chair, is is definitely at the most high risk demographic, and he, they'd inform people at like the day or so before that those folks should start self isolating already. So he was so he wasn't there. Uh, he'd already started taking measures to protect himself. Um, so we had a faculty meeting with the rest of us there, and we decided to invite the graduate students in on the chance at the end of the meeting on the chance that we were going to move, thinking we would happen, it would happen. And about a half hour before the grad students showed up to start talking about how they as TAs would also move to online teaching, it was told that we were going to online teaching. So we scheduled a meeting and literally within a half hour of the announcement, we were talking about what we we're gonna do. But that was all sort of coincidence. Um, I think it did happen really fast. And my sense is when other colleges started to shut things down, it's like any sort of group think thing. Other universities look, at, look around and think, oh, they're doing it, maybe we should do it. And it just, it's like dominoes. But I think like for a lot of us, we felt it was weird that it didn't come from the university. It came from like the system. Yeah. So is that yeah, how you found out? Yeah, we found out from the system too. Uh, I think it's the function of the new chancellor. He's recent chancellor. Um, he's a former governor. And I suppose he looks at things in that sort of top down way. Uh, normally, I think what we would do is hear more from like the university president or the provost would say something like this, not the system level. It would be broken to each campus. But also the university has been moving to sort of its one system now for a, a number of years. So they were trying to sort of unify those things. Um, I'm not sure, I mean, one thing is that as a communication person, and we have actually specialists in risk communication and crisis communication in our department. One of the things that's been um, unfortunate to us is, is, and no one really planned for this, uh, we don't have a really clear communication system. So you're getting lots of overlapping messages and redundancy and, um, you can't fix that once it starts. So I don't blame anybody, but it's the kind of thing, if there's a lesson that comes from this, we need to have communication plans laid down for when something like this happens. So you have a simplified for everybody, the students, the faculty, no one needs to get 16 emails in two days that say similar things or slightly different things. Right, exactly. So um, I guess this kind of answers this question a little bit, but um, do you feel as if students and faculty were given enough time and resources to prepare for the switch? No, but I'm not sure they could have. I think I don't think so at all. Um, luckily, we had already built up enough online capacity and the tools were there. I'm not online phobic. I've never taught online. And I don't really like Blackboard as a system. Many people find it clunky. Um, but there are adequate resources to make the shift. And within a few days of just, you know, making a few phone calls, using the help videos, et cetera, you can do reasonably well converting it over. It's just a lot of work all at once. For sure, yeah. Um, what do you feel has been the biggest hurdle for you in transitioning to online classes? Like, what do you miss about the classroom and what do you feel you've had to overcome the most? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, well, I want to start by saying I'm extremely fortunate. Um, being a faculty member, I'm on salary, so I'm one of the least affected people in the sense I don't have to worry about money. It's the same as it was before, whereas most other people are in much more difficult stakes. So I don't have those sorts of anxieties, but I definitely feel for all the ones who do. So that puts it a little bit, makes it strange for me, I guess. Um, so when I say like, was it difficult for me? I feel like, well, from, from my point of view, I guess for me, it hasn't been difficult. It's just been work. Um, but what I miss about it is um, I do miss being in the classroom. One of my students in the class that Mia's in, I call him my cannonball because he jumps in first on anything. He's, he's funny that way. Um, but he said that he was even starting to even appreciate bad lectures now because <laughs> being online, like just being in the classroom was, was somehow better for him than being in a virtual space. 
And I think that's true. Even in days, you know, I, I loathe having a class where everyone's tired and no one wants to respond. No one liked that. The teacher, the students were all like, oh God, we're doing this again. Um, but I actually prefer that sometimes to just the distance piece of it. It's too awkward. You can't get a feel for people. Mm -hmm. And there's an energy in the room. And when it's good, it's the, you can't replace that with, with virtual. And so I miss that a lot. And the most hardest thing is just worrying about students. Um, my 400 level class, I think everyone's hanging in there. They're doing their best. Uh, but my 200 level class is asynchronous and there's 55 students. And I know some of them are just struggling like crazy. And, they can, and we're checking to see their participation, but they're barely participating. And I don't know what to say to it. You can't just rip people's life out of its normal order and expect them to suddenly switch and then they'll be responsible. Um, it's really hard to do that, even if you're ready for it. So uh, that's what I'm most worried about is not just missing the students, but how are they doing? Mm -hmm. um, and there's only so little I can do. Yeah, like that's something I haven't really thought about. It's like when you're an underclassman, like you haven't had as much time to get into your own pattern with school and stuff like that. Some people are just switching into the major and stuff. So I can't really imagine. I can't imagine how hard that must be for them. So Yeah, and I think the students in the capstone and then both you folks are, you know, you're, you're seniors and um, the uh, You've put all this time and you need to finish this, the sense of like, I got to get this thing done. I don't care what it is. I just got to get it done. And that's a real driving force. If you're in your first couple of years and still figuring out your identity and a lot of the classes you're taking are maybe not as personal, that's rough. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any suggestions for students who are struggling to stay focused on their tasks while they work at home? Uh, yeah, it's super hard, but a couple of things that I think are very important is you have to build a daily schedule. And if you're used to having other people do it for you or just sort of remembering what your schedule is, you can't do that. It just won't work. You got to literally get on Google and build a, a schedule of when you're going to do things. You need to get up and shower every morning like you're going to go do something. <laughs> Make it like a regular day and, uh, and, build in, and build in space. You know, I, I have the benefit as a, being a, um, a faculty member, a lot of what it, the work that I do, like research and stuff, I'm also sort of a solo humanist. You know, I do my own research. I don't do collaborative stuff like Professors McGreevy or Ricard. They do a lot of team-based stuff. I don't. And um, so I'm used to working long, long hours and sometimes many, many days just by myself. And I've learned my own habits, but it took years. And I know that every couple hours I have to take a break. I just have to. So I work in like two hour increments. I'll take a half hour to an hour and do something else. And it's like modular. And when I do that, I'm fine and I can stay at it. Um, but if you don't know your own habits, how are you going to learn them now? So I would think just building my advice is build, build a schedule, break your workout across different days. Don't do it all the same day as best you can and put breaks in between it, which includes just going outside and getting air. Even if you're not around anybody, obviously just walk up, walk around the block, you know, just get outside change your environment a little bit. And then um, also, I've, as I said this to both of my classes, get a study buddy, somebody that you text every day and say, hey, did you get that done? Just so you're accountable to somebody about just doing your stuff, about putting on your pants and actually <laughs> doing your stuff that you're supposed to do. Um, it helps because it's the only way to really, and after about a week or so of that, people will build a new habit and it will stay into place. But getting through that first initial malaise of just what am I doing? Netflix is so easy perfect time to binge on whatever game I just downloaded for days in a row. Um, you just can't do that. And the, the far, I also know from watching graduate students who are also, I see this a lot with, with new master students, I guess I'll say, 
they come from being a bachelor student. Now they have to self-organize at a much higher level and they have to complete big projects fairly independently. They often run through this in a, in a slower motion. And it takes them a while to build a schedule and learn those things. And um, the only way you really do it is recognize that, that you have to build a new habit and you can do it. But the longer you delay it, the longer you let it build up, the more your own sense of pessimism and self-doubt. Now I describe it as students stabbing themselves in the neck, like, oh, I suck, I'm so terrible, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And they just attack themselves left and right so they don't do anything. And as opposed to just starting small, little bites, do things every day, and then feel, then at the end of the day, you can feel really good. Maybe you can have a beer or Zoom with some friends or whatever, like, I actually did something today. I don't feel lazy, I don't feel awful. And in a few days, you feel like, oh, I got this under control. But if people don't begin to do that, they're going to really have a hard time finishing the semester and they'll feel bad about themselves for no good reason. That is really good advice. I appreciate that. That will be helpful for me in the coming weeks. But in these moments where you're taking a break from working or just trying to find like a little bit of joy in your day, what are your favorite things to do at home to pass the time and stay sane? Uh, I eat too many peanut M&Ms. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm addicted to them. I never was. Uh, my partner, Naomi, always took a bag with us on planes when we fly, and I, I never liked M&Ms of any sort. I'm not sure why. I like chocolate. I'm not, I'm not a snob about it, but I just didn't like them, which seems weird. And anyway, some, one time on the, on the plane a few years ago, I took some, and it was like I was an addict. Like, now I have to have peanut M&Ms all the time. So we, we literally buy the giant family-sized bags now when we make our weekly trip to the grocery store. Um, <laughs> But I, I'm lucky to have some exercise equipment in the house. I invested in that a few years ago because the going to the gym and everything at school was being too time consuming. And I, I do work a lot at home. So I have a, a, a modest kind of pathetic little home gym and I use it every day now and just to stay, do something, break it up. Um, I, I play video games too. I just definitely bug out for a while and do, and do that. Um, but again, I have years of learning how to self-organize my time and to stop those things and to get back on the horse and do the work. But it does take a long time to be really comfortable with that. And so that's what I'm worried about. It takes, it, I'm worried that people look at students who are failing at this right now and not being able to do it and see them as somehow weak people. It's not the case. It's just really difficult. And, and everyone thinks it's weird. The news is awful. People feel bad about everything. When you feel bad, you're bored and you're behind the, behind the eight ball. Those are all great reasons to just sit still and, and feel pain. And so um, trying to get people over that, I think, is, is challenging. And the last thing I guess I would say on that point is in terms of like building a schedule, you could even Zoom with a friend and screen share and build your schedules together. So you're not doing it alone. Just don't do it alone. And just, you know, like, hey, what are you doing that day? How are we going to make some time? And just doing it with a friend will make it seem like it's a thing that you're actually doing. And then you'd have to get up the next day. Hey, did you actually, at 9 o'clock, did you do the thing you said you're going to do? And uh, that'll just make it seem like we're all in together a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I, I do that with my sister right now. She like, she's in high school, so she has classes and it, the fact that like she's doing work right now really helped me to get my stuff together and have this oh, interview right. and everything. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, um, it's going to be rough. Uh, some people are not going to make it out of the semester, unfortunately. And they're, they're, um, their, uh, their lives are going to be more difficult. Um, and so not much that you can do about that except trying to reach out to them. But if somebody's already started to disconnect, you can't get to them through email. They don't read them. So there's, there's only so much you can do.
All right. Well, we have one last question just to wrap this up and hopefully everything will go smoothly transferring this to the podcast. But um, how do you think that this will affect the university in upcoming years? Well, that's a great question. I don't think anyone knows. We already know we're taking a multi-million dollar hit. That's just happening. And we took one last year for different reasons. We had a drop in enrollment, which was unforeseen. And um, I don't want to get too far in front of because I don't know the data and I'm not an expert on this. But I do know that our university is small by comparison to some of the, the big ones. We think it's as large. A lot of students think it's large. But for state university flagships, it's small. Um, and we're, there's the most of the money that we have is dependent on tuition dollars. We get a state appropriation, which is sizable, but it's less than half. Grants and other such things don't fill in. Endowments don't fill in. And so even small percentage drops in numbers of students coming in can make a big difference in how much money we have. And uh, unlike, I think, you know, common assumptions, there's just lots of money laying around. There isn't. We're really, this university runs on a very, a very lean budget um, and does a lot with, with a little. Uh, one thing I think is really amazing about what we can do with the budget we have. But um, I've been saying this to everyone. No one wants to think about it. So this is a depressing note. Uh, sorry about that, but it's a depressing moment. A lot of people's finances are getting destroyed right now. So how many of them will be coming to school in the fall? And if they don't come to school, we don't get tuition dollars. If we don't get tuition dollars, we can't run things. I have no idea, but I don't think it's going to be good. And um, I personally would hope that the federal government would stop tripping over itself and provide the necessary support to stabilize things. Because otherwise, the consequences could be very bad. States can't do this. It's going to be a collective national we need to go into a larger debt to get through this because otherwise people's everything sort of grinds to a halt. So I, I unfortunately I think what's going to happen is a lot of money will be gone and then we're going to figure out how to deal with that, whether we can replace it somehow with other funds, say federal funds, or uh, we just have to make hard choices. I don't know if we'll, we'll be live all. I think that's really too early to tell. Everything about like South Korea and everything indicates that once there's sort of got under control as soon as, as soon as people go outside, it seems to pop back up again. So um, I don't think anyone really knows yet. Yeah, that's been my um, perspective too. Like people ask me like, oh, when do you think that this will end? Some people think that it'll end in like June. And I think we're lucky if it ends in um, September, but I don't know. Yeah, I, me too. What I do think we're gonna have to do at some point is start to figure out how to reintegrate into a life without contact outside the, like, like I just said to, to uh, my class with Mia, it's probably too early for people to be willing to do it. But in a few weeks, maybe the end of the semester, I think we should go out and play Frisbee. Everyone can wear gloves. They can wear a mask. We can just play Frisbee and stay six feet or more apart and just do something together just to be outside with other people in a safe way. We're going to have to figure out how to do things like that. Otherwise, just be like this for months and months and months. So. <sighs> Well, thank you so much uh, for this interview and for taking your time and your input. I don't. I think a lot of people haven't really heard from like the professor's side of this and the you mean faculty side. So your input is uh, really valued. Oh, I'm I'm happy to do it. I can say on that behalf of my other colleagues, everyone's working really hard. Uh, some people are more comfortable with this sort of stuff than others, but most people are working very hard at it. And um, this is one thing I will say. And if any administrators who are watching this who are fans and think online education is easier. It's not, it's more time consuming. It's not more efficient. That is a lie, it's not. So um, as, a, as a replacement for in-person teaching, 
it serves a very valuable role, but it's not a wholesale replacement and it's actually more intensive. It's not less so. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. it's that way on the student end as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not simpler. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Dr. Stormer also wrote us the following message. I am fortunate enough to have no dependents in the picture. Faculty with children, small children especially, or parents they care for are getting pulled like taffy. They have to homeschool, pick up where daycare was, look after isolated, sometimes frail, and highly dependent elders, and still do all they normally would do, plus flip their teaching to online. For those folks, this is incredibly, incredibly hard, and people are not very understanding of that. They are being total heroes, and no one knows it. The coronavirus has drastically changed the ways in which students were originally supposed to fulfill academic requirements. UMaine students Katie Doobie and Megan Murphy are fourth-year secondary education students. They shared their experiences of having to fulfill their student teaching requirements during the shift to online learning. Hi, my name is Katie Doobie. I'm a secondary education English student. I have a theater minor as well. And I'm currently student teaching in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. My placement is at Bangor High School, and I've been there since the beginning of March. So I believe March 9th. In the beginning of March, many schools throughout the state began shutting down for an indefinite amount of time in order to assess their next steps towards potentially reopening. During this time, Katie was able to prepare two-week paper packets for students to do at home. We had made enough copies for students to complete work within a two-week time frame. We had no idea how long we were going to be out. We had no idea how we were going to get the packets back, but this was something that we were instructed to do. As the month progressed and more COVID cases were confirmed throughout the state, all schools inevitably had to shut down for the remainder of the school year. While this has been less than ideal for many of our students and educators alike, Katie's managed to find ways to adapt to online learning. So my students are communicating with me in multiple ways and multiple times a week. My mentor and I, we give regular writing prompts and questions of the day. We try to think of some encouraging questions that focus towards some sort of positive thing. Um, today's question, I asked the students what their favorite meal was and why, and we're giving each other different movie recommendations, book recommendations, and just trying to think of good and positive things moving forward. Some of my groups will be Reading Night by Eli Wiesel, and a few of my other groups who will not be reading this book will get lessons on the Holocaust. So I've been trying to find positive and uplifting articles that delve into what the Holocaust was, but really show resilience. My hope with these uplifting-ish articles is that my students can hopefully relate this time of universal crisis with another time in history of universal crisis. It's nowhere near the same magnitude, but a lot of my students are really struggling to make sense of this. And I think that if they can realize that this is not the first time where the world has been upset about something, um, and we really need to come together and lift each other up during this time. Megan Murphy specializes in French within the secondary ed major, 
and also is finding ways to adapt her teaching style to an online structure. She discusses the challenges behind not being able to see her students anymore and the, uh, the responsibility she feels that she has to her students during this challenging time. You know, we all know why we want to be teachers, and when we sit in our education classes, you know, we talk about that. We talk about what it feels to be motivated to work with kids, and then we get there, and it just is so much better than you can even, you know, even experience. You know, getting to interact with those kids every day is a gift, and it's so hard to be motivated without them, you know. You just kind of have to remind yourself that, you know, these boxes on Google Classroom and that the grades you're putting in are still the students you love so much, even though you can't see them and hear them laugh and, and answer their questions you know it doesn't mean it's less important but it feels like I lost my home at UMaine it feels like I lost my home at Brewer as well um online teaching has been made up of lots of things on Google Classroom um just giving students as much feedback as possible that's the key right now you know making sure they understand what they're doing is being looked at and being appreciated you know because they feel like they're just being crammed with work and it's really hard. You know, there's a lot of validation, even more validation that goes into it. You know, normally working with high schoolers, you have to validate a lot, but this is even more. I could not imagine this experience without my mentor teacher. Um, if I had to do this by myself, it would be a completely different experience. I'm really thankful to have the opportunity to work with a teacher that is so organized and so responsible and so responsive to students and so kind. Like, I don't know what I would have done. I'm really thankful that I'm dealing with this like traumatic experience with her because if it was just me, oh, it would not be as smooth sailing. She's literally amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, shutting down was obviously the right thing to do. Um, and I'm so thankful to everybody who's making the healing possible, you know, the doctors, the nurses, everybody. Um, and it, it's weird now we have this responsibility as students to keep up with our work. and But now we have the responsibility as teachers to tell our students that what they're doing is right. You know, when you see their little faces on Zoom, you know, it's kind of nice to tell them like, oh, you know, I'm proud of you that you're staying at home. You know, I know that it's not super fun. I'm really glad that you're electing to, you know, do your homework and watch movies with your little brother or sister and then go outside and hang out with your friends. Like, that's amazing. I mean very proud of you for social distancing and you know you kind of have to take a step back about being like wow I wish I was hanging out with my friends and just be like now it's my role as a teacher to encourage them so that's been the biggest part you know really have to transition to to teacher mode now lastly Chloe Olivia and I discussed how we've been affected by COVID-19 from our work with this podcast and at the main campus to our lives as students Disclaimer, this was done over Zoom in compliance with social distancing, so the sound quality is a little bit different. And we are recording. How has everything with the situation impacted, like, your guys' plans for the upcoming months? It has really kind of thrown me for a loop. I've definitely had a more, I, you know, I've been having these conversations with, like, my friends and my parents where it's crazy to try and plan Oh, my whole thing just froze up really bad. I've been having all these conversations with uh, my friends and my family where it seems so difficult to try and plan anything when the whole world feels like it's fallen apart and we don't know what the future's going to look like. But at the same time, the like peace that comes with the stillness of all of this, like in my own space, but also in the world in general, has left like a lot of room for me to really sit with myself and reflect on how I'm feeling and the things that I want in the future, which I think ordinarily I keep myself too busy to actually really hear. (laughs) So that has 
been a huge benefit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really, I still don't really know what my plans are, but I'm excited about the opportunity that I have now. Um, in terms of like the future, like past, like the rest of the school year, it's been like affecting the way that I can think about jobs. Um, I'm like honestly really concerned that like there's not going to be a lot of job opportunities that there were earlier because like people really can't do this. <laughs> like I don't know how um, I would be able to have like an internship anywhere where like I really need to be hands on and I have to have like training in person and stuff. So yeah, catch me at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I can relate to that. Obviously, I've been trying to. Um, find a job for myself for the summer and everything and I had a couple pretty strong leads going into it and then once everything hit the fan um, a lot of the internships and jobs that I applied for ended up getting canceled or postponed Um, so I think I'm just going to kind of live in limbo for the rest of April and then maybe May will bring some sort of clarity but right now it's just kind of winging it day by day. What has been the hardest part of transitioning your positions at MEC um, to like remote production and remote um, like work? Wow I'm not really a huge part of production since I more manage like the business side of everything but I just became so used to being able to run around the union um, and have so many resources available and talk to so many different people who were able to um, give some really good insight on whatever it is that I was working on. So I definitely miss that a lot. And like, I've still been able to keep in touch with everyone over email and everything, but it's just so hard to keep track of projects and everything going on um, when everything is just based on email right now. And then like occasional Zoom sessions and everything, especially like during the hiring process. I would absolutely love to be able to meet with candidates in person and get to know them that way um, because Zoom is just so impersonal sometimes. But we're we're getting through it. You know, I'm just glad that I can still work at all um, remotely. Lucky. Yeah, I'm the same one. Um, Like for me, a lot of what I do is already remote. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't affected me as much as it has with like the production team. but I do miss having like office hours and just being able to chicken with you guys and like get things done that like we wouldn't really think about unless we were together. So, yeah. um, and just like the stuff that we were supposed to do in office, like update the computers. So oh, yeah. that kind of sucks, but. I just miss getting chicken tenders from the very <laughs> and eating them in the office. <laughs> that was very therapeutic. <laughs> what it meant to you at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like all of, I can, like, I second all of those feelings. I think, um, you know, the meme that's like when the Zoom meeting could have been an email. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel that energy, but it's like when the email could have been like running into someone in the union and being like, oh, yeah, I went to tell you to do this or whatever. Um, I definitely miss it's so difficult from my position as editor-in-chief with all of the moving parts (laughs) of um, just making sure everyone is feeling happy and healthy and like they're able to do their jobs as successfully as possible Mm -hmm. under the new circumstances. That's a lot of Facebook messages and a lot of emails to balance and that can kind of get overwhelming, but I think I've nailed down a clear like communication pattern with everyone. So that feels good. 
Um, if we all had another year left at the main campus, what well, would be one thing that you want to focus on in the beginning of the fall? That's brutal. <laughs> oh God. That's uh, a good question. If you don't know, you don't know. That's okay. It, it's the list is too long. I'm trying to prioritize something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that there are just like a lot of smaller projects that we didn't really get a chance to do. Um, because our time was just cut short like the archive we have a giant closet for all of like the archives um, to the next team <laughs> yeah um and really just like i wanted to really prepare the next business manager um so that they can hit the ground running when it's their turn and i feel like i felt like the best way to do that was just hands-on experience um so i would have loved to have like an assistant manager for a while and then kind of pass the torch then that way. Um, that's not really gonna, <laughs> not gonna happen now. I was just talking to one of our editors on the phone two days ago about this, but this whole year, my goal was to really master the hiring process. Like really set the next team up to be incredibly prepared because I feel like we were prepared and we were able to do uh, like we were able to start a podcast and completely like Mia you completely re did our marketing and social media like I feel like we've had a really successful year and done things that I'm very proud of and that it is essential to allow other people to be able to do that by preparing them really well and getting like giving them the foundation that they need and so all year I've so highly anticipated this season of turnover and hiring and it just kind of feels like that was robbed so if we were able to have another year i would spend so much time in the fall really like mentoring editors and like making them feel ready for the, the things to come but also i would just like get a little bit more funky with it like i think we would be doing like some some more interesting and unexpected stories if we had a little bit more time yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I feel like I'm kind of just getting the hang of social media. Like, it's not coming into this. It wasn't my strong suit. And like, I've had some experience, but like, I never was confident enough to kind of like pick up something and really roll with it. So like, lately, we've been doing like the tune into this um, for like those little um, news clips. I, and I like I really like doing that. I was like hoping to do more stuff with like maybe putting crossword puzzles and like word searches on the stories and stuff like that. Maybe playing on like Instagram live. So that's kind of, that's some stuff that I would do definitely with social media. Awesome. I was wondering how have you guys been keeping yourself occupied and sane while inside? Yeah, that was my question too. <laughs> that was so a version of one of my questions. Well, let's dish. <laughs> um, I, uh, I roller skate in my basement. Mm -hmm. I cook new things that I've never cooked before. And I watch a lot of Seinfeld and I paint. That's, that's what I do. And I talk to my friends as much as humanly possible. I think we should start a GoFundMe for <laughs> new roller skates. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Um, the easiest ones we can find. <laughs> I, you know, good things are coming in the future. We'll see. But I'm going to get one so I can just skate around wherever I live. And I don't have to drive anymore. That would be incredible. I love <laughs> <that idea. laughs> 
Um, for me, I've been, I've also been like cooking a little bit more. I've been baking a lot of bread recently because my mom got a new bread maker. Um, it's just so easy. You just pour everything into it and then let it sit for three hours and it's done, which is crazy. Um, what else have I been doing? Um, I've been ripsticking a lot. <laughs> I, I've had it since like I was in like middle school and I just picked it up again. Um, and I've been going to like this empty parking lot across the street from me and I've just been kind of doing my thing there. Listening to music. So, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my outdoors. <laughs> I have also been painting. Um, I got an Indo board, which is like one of those balance boards. Um, so I've just been standing on that and watching Survivor relentlessly, and it's getting to me. I literally had a dream two nights ago that I was like on Survivor, and like my dream was like in like the film style that they use. It was horrible. Um, and as of yesterday, I picked up the recorder. And I will be making an Instagram page for myself where I will take song requests and butcher them on the recorder because nothing sounds good on the recorder. So. That's the content I want to see. And if you ever need someone to harmonize with you, I have a harmonica. So, okay, we'll have to collab. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have any other questions? Yeah, I do. Um, what has been your quarantine snack of choice? Definitely has nothing to do with anything professional, but. Tacos. <laughs> I've been making shredded chicken tacos for every single meal. And this is like the first week that I didn't buy groceries to supply myself with it. Because <laughs> I thought that I had to cut myself off because it's getting bad. Yeah, um, as much as I hate to say it, I've been drinking a little more. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Finger has been my my yeah. I like a good craft beer. So, um, and uh, what are they? Pineapple salsa. If you haven't tried it yet, you should. I, I do love like pineapple salsa. What about you, Olivia? I just uh, eat rice cakes and peanut butter, which was my weakness before, so it does not help. But now I just think about it all the time and I have access to it all the time. But yeah, love a rice cake, slap some peanut butter on it, maybe even drizzle some honey. You got the most thing. Yeah. Crispity, crunchity. <laughs> As Bon Appetit would say. <laughs> all right. Um, I have a final question. Um, so what is some advice that you would give to someone who's really struggling right now? Call your support team, <laughs> whether that's your parents or your friends or like an, a mentor or a professor, like open up those lines of communication, even if it's just a text saying, hey, I miss you and I hope you're doing well. I've definitely been talking to people that I like hadn't spoken to in a really long time. Um, and that has been like one of the really wonderful things that's come out of quarantine and like the current era. But also, uh, yeah, it just makes me feel so much better. And if you're an extrovert, this is really, really hard for you. <laughs> and I really understand. Um, but we are lucky to have phones and to have the internet and have ways to stay connected even when it's really hard. Agreed. And I think it's oddly comforting, even though it's sad to know that like everybody is in the same boat right now. Um, I think it makes it a little bit easier to just like take it day by day and just know that like you're not really missing out on anything because <laughs> typically like if you're just staying inside 
for a month at a time, then like you're probably gonna get really bad FOMO. But like we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> so it's kind of beautiful. Um, we're all in this together. And I think if you can kind of get into a mindset of like the world isn't going anywhere after this, like eventually things will get better. And like you can kind of just relish in this moment of just kind of getting to be lazy for a while um, and slow down. But it's definitely hard to get to that point of comfort. Um, so I don't know. Just try to take it day by day. Yeah, and go outside. <laughs> go on your daily walks, even if we're getting 40 mile per hour wind right now, you know. It's fine. Beautiful, beautiful mean weather. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is that, like, if you're having a really bad day, it's okay to just drop everything else and just let yourself relax. Mm -hmm. Because I know, I think the biggest thing for a lot of people is that we're so used to being so busy. And now we have all this time on our hands. And even though it feels like that should be free time, we're actually super busy doing schoolwork. So if you just need a day to, like, adjust to everything and just not focus on anything but yourself, then that's okay. Yeah. Let tomorrow be a different day. Yeah, yeah you've been, like the one that's helped me with that probably the most because that is really hard for me I really like to keep myself busy um but when you say it's okay that you stayed in bed till one in the afternoon <laughs> sometimes you just gotta do it I believe it because you are so good at being a person so I'm like if Mia says it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much you guys hanging out on the zoom <laughs> as usual before we end we wanted to thank everyone who has made the creation of anecdote possible unfortunately this will be the last episode of season one it has been such a great experience being able to create this podcast and to hear from the yuming community in the process that being said, we also had the pleasure of announcing that Anecdote will be back in the fall, hosted by our newest team member and podcast producer, Owen Vidala. Hey everyone, my name is Owen Vidala. I am a third year secondary education major here at the University of Maine, and I will be taking over Anecdote for the upcoming academic year. I've had experience in podcast creation in other organizations, and some of my favorite podcasts include the H3H3 podcast on YouTube and Love Letters on Spotify. Stay tuned for more. Thanks, Owen. Owen and Nextra's main campus staff have a lot in store for the future of Anecdote and its impact on UMaine, so stay tuned next semester. We want to thank everyone who was involved in the creation of Season 1, whether you contributed on social media or sat down with us for an interview. We want to especially thank everyone who listened to the podcast throughout the semester. Anecdote will continue to grow with your support. This has been the finale of Season 1 of Anecdote. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and have a wonderful summer.